This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. This is Dr. Sean Benzinger with the Humerian Health Podcast. And Miss Amy Baker, my co-host, is joining us. And today we're here with a very special guest. We have interviewed him before about eye conditions, but he's got a brand new book called What You Must Know About Age-Related Macular Degeneration, How You Can Stop, um, Prevent, Stop, or Reverse AMD. And that is big, be able to hear Prevent and Stop, a disease that I think a lot of people have conceptually believed never could be. We're here with uh, today with Dr. Jeffrey Anschel. Um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Okay. So I, I know I got kind of stuck on that, but <clears throat> prevent and stop, that's a big deal. Reverse, maybe even bigger? Yeah. Yeah. Up until now, we, you know, we don't really have any uh, hard science uh, that shows that this condition can be reversed. So um, we're finding out more and more about it, and we're finding out that there is a nutritional link to the condition. So yeah. if we can turn around the nutrition, then we may be able to do something about How that. interesting. Well, well, let's, let's ju- yeah, talk- I was going to say, let's start, you from- do that. <laughs> <laughs> let's start from the beginning. So for those of our listeners who don't know, what exactly is age-related macular right. degeneration? Well, the retina covers two-thirds of the back of the eye. But we only see our 2020 point is a very small area called the macula. So that's where we get our sharpest vision. Everything else in the back there is our side vision. Mm-hmm. So the macula is very important because that's, you know, we're, when we look at something, you know, for reading or watching our kids' faces or anything like that, that, that's the sharpest vision. So that area is called the macula. Now, because we're using that area so intently for such a long period of time, as we age, there's a tendency for that area to degenerate a little bit because the cells in that area are so um, used so much and highly reactive. We call it metabolically active. In other words, they use up a lot of our nutrition and a lot of of our energy that they actually have to break off little pieces of the cell and uh, regenerate themselves. Mm. Now this, this process of breaking off the cell and shuttling it out of the eye it's a normal process that happens throughout our life. But as we age, that process can start to weaken, and the um, broken-off pieces can start to accumulate in the back of the eye. And that's where the macular degeneration happens. Very, very oh, interesting. Okay. okay, great. Well, and so um, you have a co-author on, on this book, Laura Stevens, um, and I'm mm-hmm. a little curious what your own personal experience has been with age-related macular degeneration. Well, it actually started with Laura because she um, developed macular degeneration, and she's a researcher in, at uh, Purdue University. All and right, started looking Indiana. Into, All right, good. There you go, Indiana girl, yep. Yeah. So she uh, started looking into seeing what she could do, and she was you know, very involved with nutrition. Uh, she had written some other books uh, related to uh, um, kids and, and nutritional stuff. So um, she was just, you know, diving headfirst into this nutrition thing on macular degeneration and started putting some things together and um, decided that she wanted to write a book on it. And she contacted uh, my publisher and they said, well, this would be perfect for you to team up with an eye doctor and, you know, have you guys work on that aspect together. Since I've, you know, I'm the um, founder and past president of the Ocular Nutrition Society. Ah. So I've been dealing with nutrition and eye care for years myself. So, um, you know, it was a perfect teaming. 
Wonderful. <clears throat> well, what happened with her when she went through this? Well, she's actually, uh, it's hers is actually stabilized. And, okay. you know, she's getting, some days are better than others, but she's actually pretty much stabilized this degeneration, and it hasn't really gotten any worse. And she did have a little bit of regression, you know, did reverse it to some degree. Now, I didn't get rid of it totally, but, uh, you know, it depends on, you know, how long the process has been going on, and there's some genetic aspects to it, so, you know, certainly a lot of lifestyle issues as well. And we cover the, the nutrition and lifestyle issues uh, in the book. Uh, we talk about everything about macular degeneration in the book, but we try to emphasize the nutritional approach and the lifestyle changes that can happen. Well, there's different types of treatments out there. We know that. But can you kind of um, go over what have been kind of the past approaches or non-approaches <laughs> and, right. and exactly some of the key steps that are occurring that are being integrated with the old treatment and then some that are just brand new that maybe some of the old treatments really were never beneficial and we're moving away from. So that's like six questions in one. <laughs> I was going to say, go. that's a lot of questions. <laughs> Let's see how you Let do that it. one. Let okay. me read it out of the book. It's easy. <laughs> uh, so overall, uh, it was very difficult to get any treatments for this because, again, the macula is the most sensitive part of the retina. Right. And it, the original treatments were laser treatments. And, you know, you can't go ahead and burn up some tissue inside the eye with a laser and not, you know, not expect any scarring. And so that's, you know, that was the tricky part. Okay. So there gotcha. were um, a lot of this, um, the research had been done on, you know, because the later stages of macular degeneration where the real major vision loss happens uh, is a result of fluids and blood leaking in the back of the eye. So what oh, they were sure. trying to do is to seal off these leaks with a laser. Um, and they developed some newer techniques in the lasers and, and how to work them. Um, but uh, a bit of a breakthrough came in. Uh, where they found out that there's these um, the process of growing the new blood vessels in the back of the eye, um, there's a molecule in the bloodstream that triggers the growth of new blood vessels, and they found out that this is you know what they uh, what was the source of the you know concern, mm. you know. But again, it only happened in late stage macular degeneration, not the early stage. Okay. So what they did is they found out that <clears throat> there, excuse me, there was a molecule that they can inject into the eye, and it would help, you know, reduce the uh, fluid loss and the growth of these new blood vessels. Oh. Now this is actually an anti-cancer medication, oh, because in cancer one of the biggest issues is the fact that these cancer cells grow new blood vessels and right. keep feeding and right. growing. That's true. Well. They, the same process happens in the back of the eye where these new blood vessels are growing to try to re-nourish the retina because, again, remember the, the, the discarded uh, cells are blocking the uh, transport of nutrients to the retina when they're not being able to be shuttled out into the bloodstream. So it makes sense. So the body's kind of trying to respond. Process. Okay. Yeah. That makes exactly sense. Exactly right. right. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Whatever it takes, let me get some more blood, you know, nutrients right. to the retina. And the only way it knows how to do it is to grow some new blood vessels because the ones that are there aren't working anymore yep. because huh. that transport mechanism isn't working. Yep. So anyway, they're using this anti-cancer medication, injecting it into the back of the eye, 
And in a sense, that's the good news. It's not going through the front where it hurts. Um, you do feel it a little bit. There's a little bit of pressure back there, but it's not like sticking a needle in the front of your eye. Yeah. You know, it's it's less, much less painful. So um, I just don't think now, I'd like that. Though, I know, doctor. that sounds Well, it, it's not a pleasant experience, but again, <laughs> if we're talking about, you know, getting some of your vision back, then it's kind of worth it. Now, Agreed. the downside, Agreed. though, the downside, though, is that the, the effect typically lasts from six to eight weeks. Okay. So we're talking oh. about every two to two and a half months, you're going to have to go back, get another injection. Yeah. Wow. So, and actually, they've been doing this for several years now, and there are some studies coming out now showing that the original uh, formula that they've been using becomes less and less effective, you know, two, three years out. Makes sense. Yeah. So Usually does. It's a challenge. Right, right. Now, they are coming up with new uh, versions of these medications. As a matter of fact, there's now three of them available. And the latest one that's out, called ILEA, uh, has been working better. So, again, it's, you know, there is some hope for people in the late stage of macular degeneration on the medical aspect of it. But there is no treatment at all for the early stages or for, or for prevention. So that's the challenge. So really what people need to remember, number one, we know that there is a genetic link to macular degeneration. If it's in your family, you are automatically at risk. So you need to get your eyes checked on a regular basis. Now, there's several things. You know, Typically when the doctor looks into your eye, we can see the early stages of this macular degeneration. These, um, these deposits of the cells that are not getting shuttled out of the eye, they accumulate in these spots are called drusen. And we can see some of these build up. They're little yellowish spots that appear in the retina. Hmm. So we can see these drusen starting to form, and we know that there's that process of starting. But there are two tests that can actually pick up problems even before we see the drusen. Because macular degeneration is so common now and so popular, there's over two and a half million people have this disease. Mm. Wow. So we need to start doing something to try to get it prevented. So there are now two different tests that we can do. One is called an MPOD, M-P-O-D. And MPOD stands for macular pigment optical density. It's the pigment that deposits in the macular area to help filter out the high-energy light. Gotcha. And this actually, and this is really great because it comes from your diet. Really? Oh. So if we're eating the right things and having right. enough macular pigment will help filter out the high-energy light and possibly keep the macular degeneration from forming. So when you say eat the right things, does what does your book say about what the right things are to eat. Right. Well, yeah. the lute, it's, yeah, the, the molecules that deposit back there are called lutein mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. zeaxanthin. Oh. Yeah. And these are, yeah, these are the category of carotenoids. Mm-hmm. Most people have heard of these by now, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, it's kind of the same general category as beta carotene. And beta carotene, as you know, comes from carrots. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is where the concept of eating carrots being good for your eyes came from. Mm. How interesting. All right. so, yeah, let me go through that real quickly because yeah. people have the kind you know, when I yeah. mentioned that I deal with nutrition and eye health, they commonly say, well, just eat carrots, right? Well, it kind of doesn't work that way. Um, now, the carrots do have a lot of beta carotene and vitamin A, and uh, beta carotene will convert to vitamin A in the body. 
Right. Now, the vitamin A is in the retina, and that is the molecule in the retina that transforms the light energy into the nerve impulse to go back to your brain so you can see. Yep. Okay. So you would think, okay, well, we need vitamin A, and uh, a good way to get it is beta-carotene because it converts to vitamin A. So eat your carrots, and you'll see better. Okay, a couple of problems with that. First of all, it does that, that transformation does not happen as readily as we age. So the turning of beta-carotene into vitamin A does not happen as easily. Okay. Also, if your body has enough vitamin A in it, and pretty much everybody in the United States has enough vitamin A stored in their liver, then there's no reason for the body to convert more beta-carotene to more vitamin A because there's some plenty of vitamin A in the liver. Right. Now, here's the real challenge is that now, first of all, eat, just eating carrots, you know, isn't going to make a difference. I mean, right. it's just, you're not going to get that much. You know, you don't have the jaw muscles to get that much beta-carotene <laughs> out of the carrots because <laughs> you have to chew it up really good. But if you are drinking a lot of carrot juice, right. which, you know, will release this, these molecules, or getting those in supplements, that's the biggest issue. All right, so what happens is beta-carotene, Lutein and zeaxanthin, they're all in the same general categories as, as carot, called carotenoids. There are different categories of carotenoids, but in that same general category. The beta-carotene from the carrots is a dominant molecule. It's a much larger molecule. These molecules get transported around the body on your cholesterol-carrying uh, uh, molecules, mm -hmm. the LDL and the right. HDL, right. Mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. cholesterol, yep. they, that's tra that, they transport these molecules around the body. So the beta carotene, if you have too much of it, it will displace lutein and zeaxanthin on the LDLs and will not get transported to where it needs to go. Right. So really, if you're overdosing on beta carotene, you're keeping lutein and zeaxanthin from getting to the eye. Mm. It's almost a contradiction here, right? Yeah, yeah it so, is. But, but again, you're not going to be getting too much beta-carotene from just eating carrots. Right, right, right. But again, if you are you know, downing gallons, gallons of juice yep. or having it in your supplement. Now, you, you need to look at your supplement bottle because at the very top of the ingredients list is the vitamin A. But very often you will see vitamin A parenthesis 100% as beta-carotene. Correct. And that's the problem. Right. It's because you're getting thousands and thousands of units of what you think is vitamin A, but it's actually beta carotene, and it won't be converting to uh, vitamin A. Now, yeah. is is straight vitamin A we're okay with most of the time? That doesn't cause right. This, yeah, it's called retinal palmitate. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, so that retinal makes sense. palmitate is fine. Yeah, it won't displace lutein and zeaxanthin. They're different molecules. Well, can, can um, we follow up but, on this? Know, in just a second. The reason why is because this rings a bell of something else that we've noticed in practice over the years, which is vitamin D deficiencies occur with people that take statins. Right. And you know why is because most of the docs that give people statins don't realize or forget that vitamin D is carried by those same cholesterol molecules. So right, I'm exactly. sitting there wondering... Does statins also then potentially reduce the amount of carrier for lutein uh, also and would create the same tendency to accelerate age degeneration? Well, I do believe, I have to go to my archives in the back of my brain, but it, mm -hmm. it rings a bell that I think statins it is. showed um, 
some tendencies, right? Or macular degeneration. Yeah. So that's just interesting. Well, statins, I mean, the other thing on statins, obviously, is the CoQ10, right. which is a very important molecule, and it reduces that. So, you know, I don't, you know. Well, I only mention sure it because I think I often <clears throat> people will be on statins and can't figure out why they can't have vit- why vitamin D is always low. And if the carrier is the same mechanism, it would be interesting because, of course, how often does a doc re- measure your lutein levels? You know, it just hardly ever happens. So uh, Zero. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't happen. So you just wonder right. how many. And I'm sure there's some research to demonstrate. But, hey, that's your next book. So that's okay. We'll <laughs> We'll, we'll okay. <laughs> um, I'm already working on my next book. All right, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah. So you got to add that in. That's no. there's something good there. I'm telling you, there's something good. All um, right, for sure. <laughs> is there? Um, so if a person on a consistent, you know, junk food junkies, uh, raised with bad foods, tendencies towards eating. So if they are low on these nutrients on a consistent basis, even prior, they're going to accelerate this degeneration. Am I am I saying that correctly? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Again, because the, the foods that deposit the lutein and zeaxanthin into the retina mm-hmm. and the brain, by the way, you know, because lutein is found in the brain, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. then now we're looking at as lutein and zeaxanthin possibly as a uh, treatment for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, so interesting. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. So anyway, uh, typically uh, the poster child for good food these days, kale. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Tasty, tasty meal plan. Yep. Uh, kale and spinach are the top two um, foods for lutein and zeaxanthin. Yeah. Now, the one thing that people um, ask me is, should I take it fresh or should I cook it? Yep. Mm, yeah. Most people expect that raw would be better. But when it comes to fat-soluble vitamins and nutrients, which lutein and zeaxanthin are, they are bound to the chlorophyll in the plants. Correct. So actually cooking them or steaming them will break that bond and make the lutein and zeaxanthin more available, oh, bioavailable to your eye. You know, that all makes sense because every time I saw Popeye open one of those cans, you he could see his muscles. Oh, you could see the muscles <laughs> and you could nah. see... So I think that was it. I think that was nice. <laughs> Apparently, oh we're both the same age. <laughs> That's right. Popeye was my hero as a kid. That's so no right. You're going, man, look at those lutines pumping through his blood. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Uh, typically, I just tell people, you know, to mix it up. You know, sometimes yeah. have raw, sometimes cook it. Uh, but actually, a third um, food that is a little bit surprising for people for lutein and zeaxanthin is egg yolks. What? Oh, hmm. interesting. Yep. Well, remember, lutein and zeaxanthin yeah. are yellow molecules, sure. yeah. yeah. yellow pigments. Right. And that's actually what makes the yolk yellow. How and now, it doesn't have a lot in the egg itself uh, compared to the spinach and kale. Right. However, there's no chlorophyll to bind it. Mm-hmm. So it does more become active. more bioavailable. Right. So right. it's easier to get yeah. the lutein and zeaxanthin. More deviled eggs for me. That's what I say. That's right. I'm oh, all good with those. Me that's too. For I'm, sure. a, I'm a devil pig addict. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can, we can compare recipes after this. That's right. <laughs> okay. Right. Deal. By the way, does juicing of kale um, and spinach, would that break it down enough that you're still going to get some value out of that? Yeah. You're prob- right. You probably will. Right. Okay. Um, again, it's breaking the bonds of the, right, right. You know, the fiber. Makes it Typically, I'm not. A, I'm not a, a proponent of juicing, yeah. certainly with fruits, because you're just getting all the sugar and not the yes, fiber. Agreed. But it's, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's a little bit different with uh, vegetables. Interesting. Okay, so we've 
I, I didn't mean to boil down so much into the statins <laughs> and all that, but but doesn't this this all make sense? I mean, it really does make sense. And with modern day and and heart conditions and everything else, and some of the theories of treatment, there's always something being sacrificed. And I think people forget that too often. And I think with eye health, uh, that's got to be considered also. So. Yeah. Let's talk well, about life because people people don't realize that the eyes are actually connected to the body. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm you sorry, know, it, I don't mean really to laugh about that, but isn't that silly? It's just so silly. I know. I, well, I say that all the time because <laughs> you know people just. And the other thing is that eye problems are slow to develop and painless. Yeah, so for the most part. Right. So people just don't realize these things until things start looking blurry. Yep. Yeah. And people think, oh, I can see fine. My eyes are good. Well, how do you know? Yeah. Because, again, there's no pain receptors in the back of the eye. You could be seeing, and I've actually put together a slide on my, one of my presentations for this. You could be seeing 20-20 with each eye, and one eye can have a, a cancer tumor, and you would never know it. Unbelievable. Scary. That is well, scary, isn't I, it? I, That's... Yeah, I see just fine is what I hear. Uh, that yep. that like, makes well, sense. That's only part of the picture. You know, yeah. it'd be very interesting, and I don't know if they've done it in the past, but it would be very interesting if, in fact, they did some preliminary studies on screening these levels in the bloodstream and then also following it over periods of years. You would think that somebody would be doing that study, but um, but that would be well, interesting. Well, there, there are studies on lutein and zeaxanthin okay. and comparing it to the people who have macular degeneration and those who don't. Okay. And the people who do have it have lower levels of lutein and zeaxanthin. Okay. So, I mean, it's getting pretty clear that these, these filters in the back of your eye, these internal sunglasses, as we call them, yeah. can make a difference. Yeah. And Makes will sense. help people be better. Now, one of the areas that they're starting to talk about is blue light. Have we heard about this? No. Um, no. I have not. The blue light coming from computer screens oh, and yeah, yeah. from the sun. Blue light, you know, you know, we have the whole spectrum of colors Correct. that come into our eye. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the you know the ultraviolet light is filtered from the cornea, which is the front of the eye, and the lens that changes focus inside the eye. But the blue light is the highest energy light reaching the retina. And again, that's what the yellow pigments are designed to do: is filter out this high energy blue light. Well, uh, one of the big sources of blue light is uh, LED lights, oh, and so many more light sources that. are going to LEDs. That's right. right. And they now. They are have and they have several effects. The two main effects they're looking at is well, they're looking at eye strain, and you know that may be the you know uh, an issue, but uh, sleep issues because people are looking at their iPads and their digital devices right before bedtime, and these are they have the LED lights and they put out a lot of blue light. Well, what's the main source of blue light? The sun. That's why the sky is blue in the morning, and, it, and blue light tends to help wake us up. Yep. Hmm. And now they're looking at a, a high-intensity blue light source um, immediately before going to bed. So that's probably why I wasn't well. I wasn't able to fall asleep last night because I was watching Ink, Ink Master Angels on my iPad in bed in the dark. <laughs> there you go. Hmm. Ink Master Angels. <laughs> we can talk about it's that really later. It's really just that. I mean that immediate but yeah i mean anything's possible that yeah. well but people that are, you know there's a lot of sleep issues that are going on mm -hmm. yeah. and that's part of the problem is people are just overdosing on the blue light now they're also looking at because it you know uh, blue light is high energy light reaching the retina they're saying well it can cause not only eye strain but maybe even macular regeneration 
because How that's what you know what's the problem. Um, I think they're kind of overreaching a little bit because a lot of the uh, eyeglass lens companies have been promoting this a lot and using blue light filters and saying, oh, everybody who uses a computer needs these blue light filters. I see. Well, it sounds a little bit more like uh, pumping up their products <laughs> right. uh, because there's no real research that shows that looking at a computer is leading to, to macular degeneration. There's trying, you know, some some people are just extrapolating that research and say, well, if it's high intensity light reaching the retina, it must be causing macular degeneration. Now well, that's such a that's, surprise that's a to have somebody try to sell their product based yes. upon preliminary. That's, I've never heard Isn't that before. That amazing? First time I've ever. Never heard that happen. First time before, ever. Yeah. <laughs> so unique. <laughs> um, how about full spectrum lighting, though? You know, some of that's been pushed, and I, I I'll admit, I, I've been in practice 36 years, and I. From my first day in practice, I have had full spectrum lighting, or whatever they call it, or whatever it really is, right. in the um, right. in the um, the tube lights, and right the fluorescent bulbs, right? Yes, um, and honestly, um, I saw the early research where you had less people missing work, um, more people, more productive because it felt more. So I was I got sold on that and have done it for years, and it's amazing that when I'm switching them out, and you see the yellow pale almost right it's have you seen anything on that that's uh because i might have been doing the wrong thing all these years well it kind of depends on what they you know what they call you know full spectrum right you don't want the uv yeah, light the uv is not in but, it that's correct it's the only thing right, that's right. not there but it's a better balanced spectrum right and again you're getting some of the blue light and just you know basically simulating the spectral distribution of the sun so uh, it just, yeah, it just, it's a little bit brighter and it feels better. And, you know, there, that's a whole, you know, area of study in itself, looking at the melatonin production right. and, you know, how the different wavelengths, because, you know, we, we typically think the retina has just rods and cones, but actually there are other cells in there that do not um, respond to vision, but they do uh, affect our uh, cycle our visual cycle sure. and it's our, um, you know, helps us go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning. And that's a whole issue for people who have, um, you know, jobs at night. They're sleeping during the day and going to work at night and it kind of messes them up. Yeah. It yeah. Does. So that's no what they question. try to do is give them those full spectrum lights at night uh, to try to keep them awake. Hmm. So it's, it's a challenge because that is, um, it causes all kinds of, you know, disruption in your, in your melatonin production yep. and how you wake up and go to sleep. So it's a challenge. Yep. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, like usual, um, your book is fabulous, and um, and we love it. Uh, we love just the tie-in of, of a functional education that actually allows somebody to um, change their life and actually affect their life. So I guess we could, can we look at a family history and say we've had it in the family, so the tendency is or lifestyle is, and maybe yeah, the, tie that definitely together? The combination. Okay. Absolutely. Definitely the combination of the two. Okay. It's genetics. Right. Um, women tend to have it a little bit more than men. We're not sure if that's because women are living longer uh, or if there's something, you know, in the gender issues, but there are some things, and there have been actually studies showing that people who work out physically and are more physically active are less likely to get macular degeneration as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, so again, it's literally a lifestyle issue. Makes sense. Okay, so where do they get the book? 
age-related macular degeneration. Where do they get it? Uh, best place is just go to Amazon. Okay. And, um, you know, look it up there. Amazon, Amazon. <laughs> kind of You've heard of that. Amazon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. I know where that's at. <laughs> um, well, first of all, we just want to thank you for waking up early and joining us. <laughs> My pleasure. No and, problem. Um, and this will be promoted out, and we just appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully someday we'll meet Laura Stevens. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thank you for being all on. Right, we appreciate it. All right. Thanks, John. Take care. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Humarian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. Thank you.